All right, good morning, everybody. I am Mike Palmer. I am the pastor of care here at LifePoint Church, and it is good to see so many of you. Let me say uh, happy Father's Day and happy Juneteenth to all of you, and thank you for joining us online and in person for uh, as we continue through our sermon series, of course, called Get Your Life Back. Now, many of you know that this is also the title of a book by uh, the man, a man by the name of John Eldridge, and we are using that book as a resource, and we've encouraged you to get it. Some people have even won copies of the book, but get the book uh, either online or paperback. If you're old school like me, you like having a book in your hands, um, and just kind of follow along with us as we'll use it again as a resource for our sermon series. Now, Joe shared with us last week, and he's, he's said this, I'm sure, uh, the first week as well, but I remember hearing him say last week that this series provides us with an opportunity to look at ways we can embrace Jesus's invitation to experience life when we're surrounded by chaos. And to help that along, what I want to encourage you to do and maybe even challenge some of you to do is you saw the words on the screen during the bumper video. Well, those are the invitational words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 11. Um, and I want to just encourage you, you can go back and pull up the video and read those words again. But every week, just kind of become more and more familiar with those words as Jesus is inviting us into experiencing life, you know, in the midst of the chaos that we uh, experience. Today, we're going to move into part three of uh, the series, which is called Simple Unplugging. And take a look at the words of Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I want to start with a quote from the fourth chapter of Eldridge's book, where he's addressing how distracting technology can be and what he calls the assault, uh, technology's assault on our attention. In the book, he says this, you can't give your attention or can't give God your attention when your attention is constantly being targeted and taken captive and you're cooperating. Now, keeping in mind, yeah, ooh. <laughs> keeping in mind that the subtitle of his book is Everyday Practices for a World Gone Mad. One of the points that I hear John, uh, John Eldridge making here, I almost called him by his first name like I know him. Uh, Elders making here is how important it is for us as Christ followers to remain focused on that which God has gifted and purposed us to do instead of giving so much of our attention to the madness and the chaos that we come into contact daily, specifically uh, in the form of technology. Now, as I was going through this and I started thinking about um, kind of being caught in the chaos that surrounds us and not giving into it, I remember some years ago, a long time ago, I preached a sermon, and it was a Palm Sunday sermon. And um, it was from Matthew chapter 21, uh, the triumphal entry, as we know it. And this is when Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. And I opened that sermon by talking about what appeared to be this perfect picture of praise. Uh, in that, in that uh, scripture, what you'll see is, uh, people who spread their cloaks on the donkey for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem on. You have people spreading their cloaks on the ground and others are doing the same thing with palm branches. And the text tells us, I believe it's in verse nine, that the crowds that went ahead of him being Jesus and the crowds that followed were shouting the same thing. They were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now, why 
is this, does, does, does this look like the poor, perfect fortune of praise? It, it, it looks like it because the people are moving in the same direction. They are singing the same praise and Jesus is right there in the middle. However, it would not take very long uh, for the praise of Jesus to turn into the persecution of Jesus leading to the crucifixion of Jesus. What begins as a celebration eventually turns into chaos and Jesus being Jesus, he would have known ahead of time of the chaos he was heading into. But instead of finding a way out or otherwise changing course like many of us would have done and still do when we're facing chaotic moments in our lives, Jesus remains focused on where he's going and he remains focused on who he is. And for us, it is this type of focus, this type of Christ-like commitment that Paul points us to and encourages us to exercise as he says in Romans 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when Paul wrote this, he knew um, that believers during that time were living at a point of overlap during which they needed, uh, as one writer put it, to constantly reject the pressures of the present age and be open to the new life offered in the Messiah. And today for us, you guys, we too have to consistently or constantly resist conforming to the present day pressures that we face. And one of those present day pressures that is more prevalent is the consistent attention grabbing, attention grabbing distraction caused by our immediate access to information and people through the use of technology and their immediate access to us. Now, before we go any further, I, I want to be clear that I am not saying that the use of technology is inherently evil, that is inherently wrong, demonic, or anything like that. But what I am saying is that it has become such a prevalent cultural norm that if the amount and attention that we give to our use of technology, especially our social use of technology, is not appropriately monitored and managed, it can have a numbing effect on our soul and lead to our faith gradually growing thinner and thinner and thinner through neglect. And so to help prevent that from happening, I want to look at what Paul says in Romans 12 too, and talk about uh, these three things. I want to talk about the choice we make, the challenge we face, and the change we experience as we move from being conformed to being transformed. First, let's talk, let's talk about the first one, the choice we make. Now, there are two translations of um, Romans 12 too, that I believe help clarify more accurately than, than others what Paul is communicating to us. The first one is, you know, Eugene Peterson in the Message Bible. He says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And then J.B. Phillips's translation of the New Testament, uh, he says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Mold, And I really love these translations, uh, particularly uh, the one by Phillips, because of a word that's easy to just fly through. And the word is let. Because when he says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, what he's indicating is that we have a choice. That we can allow the world to squeeze us into its own mold, or we can go the route of Jesus Christ. Now, some versions of this text may lead us to believe that Paul is instructing us to completely avoid all worldly experiences uh, that tempt us to conform to the ways of the world or be squeezed into his mold. But we all know that there are things in the world that we just cannot avoid. I'm sure on the way to church, 
you ran into something that you would describe as chaos or confusion or the madness of the world. Anybody get cut off this morning? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to admit it because you got to tell us what you did in response to being cut off. But there are some things that we just cannot avoid, and it's the things we can't avoid that we just have to deal with. And in dealing with those things, we have a choice to make in that moment. We can choose to conform and walk away looking more like the world, or we can choose to be transformed and walk away looking more like Jesus. Let's look at uh, John chapter 17. This is where Jesus is praying for his disciples. And beginning in verse 14, he says these words. He says, and he's speaking to the Father. And he says, I have given them, meaning his disciples, your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. And as soon as he finishes, if you read that text, as soon as he finishes praying for his disciples, he immediately begins praying for all believers. And he says in verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray, on, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And so in that moment, when we choose not to be conformed to the world, when we make that choice, but instead we, we, we choose to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, keep in mind, based on what Jesus says, we, our joy doesn't come from simply having made the right decision. We can make good decisions and celebrate that, but our joy should come from knowing that in that moment of obedience to God, we, ex we are experiencing the blessing of sanctification, that we are being set apart from the chaos and corruption of the world to be used by God in the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that others will come to believe in him. That's what choosing to be transformed does. It's not just about the change that takes place in us, but it's the about what God can do with that change in us to reach other people. If you believe me, just say amen. Yeah. And so that's helpful because now we can look beyond ourselves and understand that there are choices we make that impact the lives of others in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And because of the influence of technology in our culture, the choices that we are accustomed to making you know, uh, relative to our faith and our family and our friendships and even our future, uh, we now uh, have to make those choices relative to using our phones, where all that information comes from. And so we have choices to make. But the choice we make can often lead to the challenge we face. Again, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but what? Be transformed, right, by the renewing of your minds. The challenge we face is accepting and displaying the type of transformation that Paul is talking about here in this text. Now, the word he uses here in the Greek language is metamorpho and is the same word that is used by Matthew when he describes the transfiguration of Jesus in Matthew chapter 17, where Jesus's inner divine nature was manifested or displayed outwardly for others to witness. And that serves as an example for uh, us that um, the same transformation is expected of us as followers of Jesus Christ, where our inner redeemed nature also is to be completely 
completely and consistently and continually displayed outward in our daily lives, as Eldridge puts it, in a world gone mad. And this is where I believe it gets challenging for some of us when it comes to displaying our faith outwardly. And now, what I'm about to say may not help everybody. I hope it does, but I know it's going to help somebody like it helped me. Because while it may be you know, relatively simple for some, the reality for others is how difficult it can be to take your inner, redeemed, Christ-like nature and courageously display it outwardly when you and others close to you know good and well that at certain times in your life, you have intentionally spent a significant amount of time and effort both participating in and contributing to the, gospel, the, the, the chaos that is around you. I know I'm not the only honest person in here today. It's hard sometimes when Jesus gets a hold of you and changes your life, and then you feel that change on the inside, but then it's time to display it on the outside, and all you can think about is what people are going to think of me, the one who contributed to and participated in so much of the chaos that was around me throughout my life. I grew up in what would be known as a chaotic community, and my brothers would be happy to tell you how much I participated in and contributed to the chaos around us. When I left home and went into the military, I took some of those behaviors with me, and I continued to a certain degree to participate in and contribute to the chaos that surrounded me. When I was honorably discharged, even though I had matured, grown significantly, I still took certain behaviors with me, and to a certain degree, I participated in and contributed to the chaos surrounding me. And so when Jesus, you know, I finally gave my life to Christ and experienced a change that can only come from him, I soon realized something. I realized that I didn't have a problem accepting the transformation. My problem was with displaying the transformation openly and the risk of being seen as a hypocrite. Now, if there's anybody here who's experienced that or maybe experiencing that right now, I want to tell you there's nothing wrong with you in this moment because if you have experienced the interchange and you're having problems displaying it outwardly, I want to encourage you and tell you you're at least headed in the right direction. I don't want to discourage you and tell you how wrong you might be. You are headed in the right direction. And this is where uh, we lead into my last point because it, it, it talks about how um, the choices we make lead to the challenges we face and the change we experience. And it's that change that will help us to get to the point where we'll openly display what God has done for us inside on the outside for others to see without that fear of being labeled as hypocritical. In Romans 12, 2, again, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And Paul says, by the renewing of your mind. Now, the change we experience, he says, is the renewing of our minds. Now, I want to stop for a minute and share with you um, to kind of make the point that I really uh, love words and digging into certain words that I come across in the Bible. And I know there are others here who preach and teach and you, you, I'm sure, love the same thing. But I want to know how, you know, to correctly pronounce the word in the Greek or Hebrew. Most times I get it wrong, but you guys don't know because I say it and keep moving and you don't, you don't know if I'm saying it right or wrong, right? Um, and then I like to find out 
uh, if there is a deeper meaning to these words than what's on the surface and how that meaning, that deeper meaning then changes my understanding of a story or a life or an experience in the Bible and how I can work to convey that in a message so that everybody can understand it. Well, Romans 12, 2 is one of those verses that is fascinating to me because in it, even though it's short, you find words like conform, transform and renewing. And I get excited because I can talk about, you know, uh, and, and not, well, let me be honest, it's not always to sound smart. I'm human, human. Um, but I do love the idea of knowing what these words mean and learning more about what God meant when he gave these words to people to use and to put in the Bible. And, you know, like conformed is there, the Suski Matizo refers to this outward expression that doesn't reflect that which is within, which is what happens to us when we decide to conform rather than transform. And then you have the transform word. I mentioned metamorpho, and this is the word that was used, like I said, to um, describe the transfiguration of Jesus. And it's also where we get the English word uh, metamorphosis. So you can just kind of see uh, what that word kind of means when it comes to changing. And then uh, so you got you have words like that. And, and when I look at these words, sometimes I look them up and I have these different books and commentaries and word study books. And often is the case where there's like these multiple uh, meanings and these other words that I have to learn the meaning of to understand the word that I'm looking up. And it can get a little frustrating, but also exciting at the same time because you're digging deeper and deeper and learning more and more. And so these words conform and transform were so exciting. And when I got to renewing, this was some time ago, I, I have to say I was um, I was a little surprised. I was pleased, a little upset, you know, because there wasn't more. It was such a simple definition. I mean, it was probably one of the shortest definitions that I've come across. Sometimes I wish they were all like that. But it simply said this. It was um, anachinosis, and, 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 and the meaning was uh, in renewing is this qualitative renovation which makes a person different than in the past. Man, does that make me sound real smart and theological? Like, I dug it. I spent a lot of time just to come to that. And I started thinking about how uh, we can appreciate the simplicity of it because it just tells us about this change that takes place that makes us different than we were in the past. And because I'm a word person, of course, the word renovation stood out. And there was nothing theological about it. I couldn't look it up in any of my books. And I started thinking, man, and some of you do renovations. Most of us have had renovations done. And I started thinking about one of the most important things about a renovation is making sure these two things is that you have the right person with the right tools, right? And for us, when it comes to a change, uh, the renewing of our minds, you need to know that the right person is the Holy Spirit and the right tool is the word of God. Because it is the leading of the Holy Spirit who uses the word of God to achieve this qualitative uh, renovation of our minds to continually make us different than we were in the past. And that is a blessing. That's how we renew the mind. That's how we get to that point where we are now uh, confident in openly displaying the faith that we have and the change that we have on the inside. It's not about changing your mind. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to use the word of God to renew your mind so that what's on the inside comes out. 
One of the contributors to a commentary that I like using put it this way when he's talking about renewing of the mind. He says, what is required is not for people to simply learn to live authentically without external pressure, but for them to be renewed so that what proceeds from the transformed mind does indeed reflect the image of God. Earlier in the sermon, I mentioned that the unchecked and use of technology can have this numbing effect, and I got those words from, from uh, Eldridge. Uh, it can have a numbing effect on our soul and lead to our faith gradually growing thinner and thinner and thinner through neglect. And a way for us to prevent that from happening, according to Eldridge, is to intentionally create space in our day for God. He says, finding more of God, growing strong in soul and spirit, requires creating space in your day for God. To intentionally put yourself in a place that allows you to draw upon and experience the healing power of the life of God feeling you. Creating space for God. Sounds simple, but sometimes it can be challenging. You've heard Joe talk about how uh, we will engage in busyness just for the sake of staying busy. But how important it is for us to take time to create space for God. And I'll add that simple unplugging and this intentional uh, creating of space in our day for God provides us with the opportunity to saturate our minds with the word of God as part of this continual renewing and renovation of our minds being done by the Holy Spirit. And so if I leave you with anything, I leave you with this. Be intentional about creating space in your day for God. And one of the ways that Joe talked about doing that was by engaging in the one-minute pause. And this is the irony of me talking about unplugging, right? Some of you got it, right? <laughs> it's like, Mike, wait a minute. That's why I put it at the end. I didn't want to confuse you in the middle. But the simple unplugging is not the complete unplugging from technology, but the unplugging from the distractions that it causes. And so one of the ways to do that is to take the one-minute pause. Joe explained it, you know, in detail. He talked about how he and Tricia, you know, are competitive with it and everything. What I like to say, because I've done it, is that, folks, it's just a minute. That's all it is. And really probably two minutes in a day because it actually uh, recommends that you do one minute in the morning, one minute in the afternoon. Two minutes in your whole day. And I can tell you this, that it doesn't even feel like a whole minute. You'll be wanting more because the guy even ends. I can't remember the phrase, but he's like, that's enough for now. I mean, that's exactly how he cuts you off. And you just kind of start laughing because of the way he says it. I don't know if it's intended to be funny, but it is a comfortable way to move out of it. Two minutes in your day, create that space for God in your life to help you to avoid being sucked into the mold that the world has through the distractions that technology can bring into our lives. Let's pray. God, we thank you for just blessing us to be here today for um, just helping us focus on um, getting our lives back, 
you know, about how we can, like um, Jesus's invitation says, and Joe said it, um, how we can experience life when we're surrounded by chaos. The life is there uh, and Jesus is there with us. And we just pray that um, as this message has encouraged us to do, uh, that we surrender to the Holy Spirit, that we allow the Spirit to use the Word of God to renew, to renovate our minds so that what is inside of us comes outside and is displayed outwardly in such a way that it indeed reflects the image of God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.